What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and in two weeks we have the NFL draft, so I kind of want to take this opportunity to give you guys some pre-draft dynasty rankings. We talked through my running back tiers on, I think that was Tuesday. Today we're going to talk through my wide receiver tiers. I just figure I should talk through the wide receiver landscape before it all gets shaken up. We saw last year we had Marquise Brown get traded on draft night, AJ Brown. I don't know if it'll be that crazy this year, but there's going to be some things that change between now and the NFL draft. So why not get our takes out there and talk about the landscape of the dynasty wide receivers. Now we're going to talk through about, I think like 12 to 15 to maybe 16, 17 wide receivers today. If you want, I have like, I think like a hundred wide receivers ranked for dynasty leagues, like 90 running backs, rookies included all of that on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. You'll find that down below in the description, down below at the top of the comments. It'll be pinned there. There you have my prospect grades, the RS grades, my positional rankings, buy and sell recommendations, my dynasty rankings. You get it all. It's all there. And if that doesn't sound good, then just enjoy the video. As always, make sure to leave a like, subscribe. Let's go. Now, as always, these are tiers, okay? They're tiers for a reason. This is how I view the dynasty landscape. I don't have super, super strong opinions within each tier. You can order them within each tier, however you want. This is just kind of how I break things up just for me mentally in my rankings and just kind of how I see things from where I'm sitting. So this is going to be for dynasty leagues, PPR. I don't really think that you have to go into the settings for the wide receivers anyways, but at S tier, we'll kind of just knock them out together. You know, no hot takes here. We have Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one, Jamar Chase, wide receiver two. Still absolutely wild to think that they both were on the same team at LSU with Joe Burrow, like guys who all go in the first round of startup drafts. But when we talk about S tier, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, like I can't, I cannot stress enough how rare of an asset they are. It is so rare that you have wide receivers that are younger than 25 and seen as insulated assets in Dynasty, guys who aren't going to lose value, guys who go in the first round are seen as, you know, like young superstars. But they're not young superstars in the way that like a CD Lamb is, right? Where CD Lamb holds value and he's nice. And I mean, you could even say the same thing about like a Garrett Wilson. But these guys are giving you difference-making production in the form of being the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two right now on underdog. Literally, they have a super flex uh, tournament out right now, big board, but super flex. And they are the only two wide receivers that have an ADP in the first round, which is just insane. Like, again, I can't stress enough how crazy it is to have guys who are competing with the big dogs, right? They're competing with, you know, the Cooper Cups of the world. They're putting up the same amount of points as Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams and all those guys. And they're like six years younger. So they're holding all of this value as young assets. And then they are also scoring a ton of points for your team. Like they're almost bad to hold on rebuilders because they're scoring too many points for you despite holding first round startup value, which is what makes them a pretty crazy, crazy asset to look at. I went all the way back just for funsies, to be honest with you guys. I went back to 2017. Redraft ADP that's like accurate is hard to come by, but I was looking on Rotoviz. They have it back to 2017, and I just looked back through each year the age of the top three wide receivers in redraft per ADP. And the only time we've had a wide receiver under the age of 25 with a top three wide receiver ADP was Odell Beckham at like 24 years old in 2017. 
That's it. It is Odell Beckham. We have two guys who are having Odell Beckham-type starts to their careers, and they aren't slowing down in the same way that OBJ kind of hit that wall after his first three years. So I guess we hope that Jamar Chase and Jefferson don't hit that wall. It was kind of unlikely that OBJ did it. I mean, he kind of had like injury issues. The Giants weren't that great. Uh, he, I think that OBJ was a little bit more diva-ish than uh, Chase and Jefferson. And I also want to say, I got a comment on last video, like, why would we be looking at redraft ADP in April? Why is it relevant? And the reason it's relevant is because it is so sharp, the ADP on underdog. Now, sure, some things are going to change. Again, we talked about the, the draft happens in two weeks. Things are going to change. Of course, things are going to change. Things are going to change in the dynasty landscape as well as the redraft landscape. So I don't see why using redraft ADP wouldn't be a benefit of us. Seeing a snapshot or a snapshot of what the 2023 season is going to look at or look like and seeing what the masses think about Derrick Henry, right? Is, De is Derrick Henry a first-round redraft pick? Is he a third-round redraft pick? How does that affect your team? Does it look like you can contend with your players right now? If you look at redraft ADP, if your team was a redraft team, would it be a strong redraft team? If not, then you should probably start compiling some good players if you want to make the playoffs and contend. That's why I think it's relevant. It's also the sharpest ADP out there. As always, underdog promo code Ron will get you $100 or up to $100 matched on underdog. I have that promo code. I believe it's linked in the description down below. But this contest, as of right now, has 37,836 people, $10 a pop, already in there. That is over 3,000 redraft leagues with money on the line in March. That is as good as data as you're going to get even in the summer. Like in the summer, like three years ago, we weren't even getting that kind of data on ADP. So I think that it's relevant. I think it's something good to look at. But even if you don't want to look at that, we can just look at what they've done since they came in the league. And it's just absolutely wild to look at. This is points per game since 2020, right? So this is when Je uh, Justin Jefferson was drafted. And we have all of the wide receivers above 15 points per game listed here. I have their points per game since 2020, their age, and their games played. Minimum 20 games played just to have some sort of minimum there. And there's a pretty big tier, right? I would say like 18.9 points per game and above is your elite difference-making wide receiver. Then you have Calvin Ridley. And then you have a pretty huge drop-off to like D-Hop at 16.8 points per game, really at that like back-end wide receiver one high-end wide receiver two mark. And that's Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson in their first three seasons, five-plus years younger than your Tyree Kills, your Cooper Cups, your Devontae Adams, your Stephon Diggs. It's just absolutely wild. Now, like, we, we, we really don't have to touch on these guys a lot. I just like gushing about how rare it is to have two guys that look like Odell Beckham uh, at the same time. Like, it truly, truly is wild. It is a wide receiver renaissance. We look here, one last data point, and this is – the most points per game wide receivers have had through their first three seasons in the NFL. It is OBJ up top, who, by the way, is just like absolutely insane what he did in his first three seasons. Jefferson second, Jamar Chase third. Pretty big gap, like a one point per game gap to Michael Thomas, AJ Green, Anquan Bolden, Tyree Kill, Julio Jones. They're getting down to the 16 point per game range. Like what they're doing is insane. Jamar Chase still has this season to even improve that points per game, catch up to Justin Jefferson and catch up to OBJ. So these are guys who, you know, Chase is tied to Joe Burrow, which is a great pairing for, you know, into eternity. Justin Jefferson, a little bit worse with Kirk Cousins, but that's still a capable quarterback, high flying offense with Kevin O'Connell. Like both of them, you can pencil them in for 20 plus points per game. They're both very solid assets. They're going to hold value and help your team win, which is really rare in Dynasty. Now, after that, we have A tier. And this is where things get like a little bit more tricky, but it's pretty clear to me. You can have these guys in whatever order you want. I'm going to go AJ Brown, then CD Lamb. And these are both guys 
who aren't really going to give you like that 20 plus point per game ceiling. I think it's in their range of outcomes, but you can't project them for 20 points per game just yet. They both have 17 plus point per game seasons under their belt. They're both under 26 years old. And that's a nice asset uh, tier because they're still, you know, they're still helping you win games and they're still holding value, but not in like the insane to the insane extent that Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are. Now, the reason I prefer AJ Brown at wide receiver three is I just think that he's more talented than CeeDee Lamb, just point blank. His efficiency over the years, efficiency is not a sticky stat, but AJ Brown has made efficiency a sticky stat. Every single season of his NFL career, 2.67, 2.65, 2.5, 2.59 2 yards per out run. He averages on his career a 2.6 yards per out run over a four-year sample. In 2022, the only two wide receivers that have a 2.6 yards per out run or better were Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill. That is A.J. Brown's career average expectation, which is just insane. Even his worst year was year three with a 2.5 yards per out run, which would have been the wide receiver five this year behind just Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddle, Rashid Shahid. It's just wild. Like what he does, he makes the most out of his routes. He makes the most out of his opportunities. He is a big physical freak you even look at some other places too that have him highly graded this is uh espn slash like 538's uh wide receiver tracking database where they have an open score so how well are you getting open catch score you know how good are you at the catch point and then your yak score and he had the highest overall score among all wide receivers last year he's a complete wide receiver he's physical at the catch point he's 225 pounds he gets open. He makes plays after the catch. Really the only drawback for him his entire career. I truly do believe if, if you put, if if A.J. Brown, I, don't, I feel like I'm getting too wild with this, but if A.J. Brown was put on the Bengals like Jamar Chase was or he's put on the Vikings like uh, Justin Jefferson was, I, I don't think that he would uh, do exactly what they did, but I think that his numbers would look better. He'd probably have a 20-point-per-game season by now is what I'm trying to say. He's been held back by volume his entire career. I think the Eagles were like bottom half of the league. The Titans are always bottom half of the league. So he's never been in an offense where they've been like top 10 in pass attempts. You get Adrian Brown in an offense where they're top 10 in pass attempts and it's instant fireworks. Now, the reason I don't mind betting on that is yes, Goddard is there. Yes, Devonta Smith is there. Yes, they passed the ball a league like bottom half, but their passer over expectation was still pretty good. Their defense can regress. They had like a, a top six defense last year. If the defense regresses, right, Fletcher Cox is getting older. Brandon Graham's getting older. Bradbury's getting older. If things fall off for the Eagles here in like the next two years where the defense is more, you know, like somewhere in like the, you know, 15 to 25 range instead of top six, then the Eagles just fully unleashing Jalen Hurts, passing the ball, you know, 30 plus times a game and airing it out. That's in the range of outcomes. That's a scenario that can happen, but... Again, you need sort of like outside factors to get there. Regardless, though, with A.J. Brown, I just want to bet on the talent that is A.J. Brown. Now, again, if you want to have C.D. Lamb ahead, that's completely fine to me. He is two years younger, similar production, so I completely get it. Uh, I will say, people sort of see the Cowboys as this high-flying offense. They only had 20 more pass attempts last year than the Eagles. They were also like uh, bottom half of the league. So their volume wasn't crazy. McCarthy's coming in. He's going to want to run the ball more. I wouldn't treat C.D. Lamb as a guy who's going to be on an offense with like top five most pass attempts like the Cowboys were. I want to say that was 2021 when they really aired out the football. Maybe something similar can happen for them. They also had a really elite defense last year. Maybe that also regresses, and that would be the scenario for them to air the ball out. Now, regardless, CeeDee Lamb's not even 25 yet. He has a 17-plus point-per-game season under his belt. 
He was, he was eighth in targets per out run last year, 11th in yards per out run. He had 100-plus receptions last year. He's the number one option for Dak Prescott. There's no Dalton Schultz. Brandon Cooks is there, but there's not really anybody to challenge him for that number one wide receiver chair. So he should be just fine. Now, after that, we have B tier. And this is largely guys who have yet to hit a 17-plus point-per-game season over an entire career, uh, over, over an entire season, I mean, and are second-year wide receivers. And here at wide receiver five, I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson. Through just one year at 22 years old, he looks like he could be a stud. Like if, if I wrote a little piece earlier and I honestly skipped over because I didn't want to say it, but if we're talking about guys that I think can join Jefferson and Chase in that tier or, you know, being a, a tier between the top two and AJ Brown, CeeDee Lamb, to me, it's Garrett Wilson it's JSN who we'll talk about in a little bit, and it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Just guys who, you know, this Ohio State factory like can kind of compete with this LSU factory that we're seeing here. They all seem to just be really, really good on the rise right now. And Garrett Wilson just has a special profile after year one, man. He comes into a spot last year, and say what you want about Elijah Moore now, but if you look at Dynasty ADP, at that back half of wide receivers, like right now we have like Christian Watson, Traylon Burks, George Pickens. Last year, that same tier was Devonta Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore was seen in the same bucket as Amon Ross St. Brown and Devonta Smith. Of course, he flamed out in year two, but that was partially due to Garrett Wilson coming in on day one and essentially taking his lunch money from day one. Joe Flacco starting in week one. He out-targets Elijah Moore, looks better, everything. And he established himself as the wide receiver one, fantasy producer, stud, rookie of the year with four different quarterbacks on a bad offense. And he just does everything that I want in a young wide receiver. He is getting open. He demands targets. His midseason reception perception numbers are absolutely bonkers. This is from uh, his midseason report. He said, Wilson, 78.4% success rate. This is from Matt Harmon. I know he did an end-of-season one, uh, but we don't have anything to compare his stats to because the full 2023 isn't even out yet or 2022 isn't even out yet. So you can't really see where his press ranks or where his man ranks. I don't think his numbers were all that different, but really the gist to get from this is that his 78.4% success rate versus man would have been just between AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson among guys sampled last year. So that would be a top three success rate versus man and his 82.8% success rate versus press would have ranked fourth best. So these are top five numbers in reception perception. Of course, it's a smaller sample, but the full sample came out and the numbers were pretty much similar. Uh, he cleared 80% success rate versus press, which only Lamb, Michael Thomas, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, OBJ. Those are the only six other wide receivers to clear 80% versus press in their first season. Garrett Wilson is in special, special company. We can even look at his yards per out run or his targets per out run versus press coverage. The only wide receiver in the NFL to clear a 30%. He gets open versus press. He gets open versus man. He is a monster. Now, I know some of the guys, or not some of the guys, but I know some of the guys on Twitter don't see Garrett Wilson as the wide receiver one in the 2022 class. They prefer Drake London. They prefer Chris Olave. They both had better yards per out run. They both had better targets per out run than Garrett Wilson. And I completely get that. But we have to factor in the offense for Garrett Wilson. He had absolutely awful quarterback play. And I know that Drake London didn't have great quarterback play. I know Olave didn't. But it was truly awful for Garrett Wilson. He was 92nd in catchable target rate with 63.9% of his passes being catchable. London was at 79.5%. Olave was at 75.6%. That is a full 12% or more of passes thrown their way being catchable. Like the, the quarterback play was truly awful. Also, if you go to uh, passers last year, you sort by like yards per attempt, which is like a decent 
uh, measure of efficiency, you're going to see Andy Dalton was like top 10 in yards per attempt last year, and the Jets were like bottom 10. So they had more efficiency to work with in their offenses. Garrett Wilson was really hamstrung. Now, if we want to sort of control for quarterback play, for offense, we look at PFF grade, which is just based on PFF guys watching the film, looking at that one player, how good does he look, and expected points per game. So based on the amount of targets that you commanded in your games, how many points per game should you have scored regardless of your efficiency? So that sort of takes out quarterback play. And when we take out quarterback play, he just absolutely shines, man. He just looks absolutely insane on this chart. Now, this is every rookie wide receiver with an 80-plus PFF grade, which, by the way, is kind of a cheat code. Every wide receiver on here with an 80-plus PFF grade has a top 12 point per game season besides Terry McLaurin and Brandon Ayuk. They are silver and gold wide receiver prospects. Everybody that's elite and above has a top 12 season. And Wilson, Olave, and London all fall in that bucket. Garrett Wilson, the highest of the group. I believe that's like the sixth highest PFF grade we've ever seen from a rookie wide receiver. And his expected points per game on this list would be behind just OBJ at 14.7. He was commanding a ton of volume in the games that he was playing. The target per out run wasn't great and the target share wasn't great, but that was really just kind of like the, the offense was tough. Uh, early on, they were kind of spreading it out between like the tight ends and like Brees Hall early on. But in terms of what he was doing in the game, he was commanding volume. It was just a little bit tougher to capitalize on that volume when you're getting passes from four different quarterbacks, all of which are pretty bad. Now, the thing that's a cherry on top for Garrett Wilson for me is the yards after the catch ability. And this is a excerpt from the recent Garrett Wilson profile from Matt Harmon saying he's a freak athlete. Truly, I believe we are talking about one of the special physical specimens playing the position today in terms of his ability to bend and move. This shows up in his after the catch ability. Wilson was in space on 11.3% of his sampled routes and went down on first contact on less than half of those chances. He can break tackles with surprising power for his frame and he eludes tacklers with silky smooth precision. I've made this comparison before, but he's what all the Kadarius Tony bros want the Chiefs wideout to be because he's Tony-like freaky in the open field, except he can actually run real routes. So we have a guy here who can get open versus press, get open versus man, came in on day one, unseated a really strong rookie wide receiver profile on Elijah Moore, made it happen with four different quarterbacks in a terrible offense, and on top of all of that, he has freaky... Yard of the catchability that Matt Harmon would compare to a guy like Kadarius Tony. So there's a lot to like here. He just profiles to me as somebody that has so many things going for him that if Aaron Rodgers comes in and things truly do click, and let's say he's a top 12 wide receiver this year or a top eight wide receiver this year, it wouldn't shock me to see him get moved to like wide receiver three in Dynasty. It really wouldn't. Now, I will say our next wide receiver here, I originally had... I'm on Ross St. Brown behind the, the two rookie wide receivers that I like in Olave and London. But I did research for this video. And after, you know, we have like 11 pages of notes here. I, I don't know how long this video is going to take. But essentially, you do some research, you tweak some rankings. And honestly, I think I was sleeping on Amon Ross St. Brown a little bit. He was like my wide receiver nine. I now have him at wide receiver six. Amon Ross St. Brown has some really intriguing data points to his profile. If you wanted to even put him up into tier A, I, I wouldn't blame you. If you wanted to have him, you know, like wide receiver five-ish, I wouldn't blame you at all. Now, there's a lot to like. 16.7 points per game last year is solid. He was the wide receiver 10 in points per game, just 23.4 years old right now. Now, he's not in the 17 plus points per game. He just narrowly missed it, uh, the club that A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb is in. But technically, 
he got hurt early on. People forget he had 20.4 PPR points, then 39.4. He was like the wide receiver one in all of fantasy through two weeks. Gets hurt in week three. So if we take out the games where he was either hurt or hobbled, there's like, I think, three games in there where he played under 50% of the snaps. He averaged 18.6 points per game in games where he played over 50% of the snaps, which would have been wide receiver seven ahead of CeeDee Lamb and A.J. Brown. And that was just in year two. So that's really damning. And then we also look at the peripherals here because there, there's, I think that there's some like unsexiness to him being a slot wide receiver, but he profiles like kind of similarly to Cooper Cup. Now, Cooper Cup has insane efficiency. He has, uh, I think that he's used a lot more in the red zone than an Amon Ross St. Brown. But if we look at the peripherals here, two point four, and this is from 2022, I know that Cooper Cup wasn't great in 2022 uh, just because the offense wasn't great and he like got injured, but he played nine games and had 22 points per game, which was the wide receiver one in all of fantasy if we just use points per game, minimum eight games played. So he still had a monster year. 2.4 yards per out run. Amon Ross St. Brown matched him. 28% target per out run. Amon Ross St. Brown matched him. Uh, slot percentage around 60% or 55% to 60%. Pretty much the same profile. dot 6.7 versus 5.6. About the same. Yards of the catch, pretty much the same. Touchdowns per game. That's the issue. Is Cooper Cup had six touchdowns in nine games. Amon Ross St. Brown had six touchdowns in 17 games. Now, the Detroit Lions passing offense was good last year. They actually scored a lot of touchdowns. So it's a little bit weird that Amon Ross St. Brown didn't find the end zone more. I honestly think that some of that was due to just Jamal Williams kind of vulturing everything in that offense last year, which isn't going to happen every single year. So if he can just get touchdown luck to swing his way a little bit, like he might have had a 20-point-per-game season last year if he could have scored, you know, instead of six touchdowns last year, if he scores like 10, 11, 12, which like isn't, all that rare to see for like a high-end wide receiver season, you know, that'll happen every once in a while for a guy who is going to be, you know, he was second in the NFL in targets per out run. He was tied for ninth with cup and uh, yards per out run. He's just a slot, a modern slot in the NFL. And that can work, right? I think that there's the only, only, only knock I would give him. There's some Juju Smith Schuster vibes where you're two wide receiver, huge year out of the slot. Can't really play on the outside. So that's the only concern, but I also don't really buy it. It's not like he had Antonio Brown in his offense taking everything. Amon Ross St. Brown was the leading wide receiver on that team, and he was a monster week in and week out. So really, the only concern here is can he make that next step from, you know, like Keenan Allen, like where Keenan Allen is right now is like a 16-point-per-game guy out of the slot. Can Amon Ross St. Brown go from that to, you know, your Cooper Cup 20-point-per-game just slot dominator slash monster? I think that's in his range. I do. So that's why I have him this high uh, again. The only real concern is that being a slot-only guy, does that magic fall out from underneath him? I would bet probably not. Now, after that, we have our rookie wide receivers. And all of that Garrett Wilson praise we did earlier isn't really to disparage the other two rookie wide receivers. They are both great. I have him in this tier literally, you know, two spots away from Garrett Wilson. So we'll put Chris Olave at wide receiver seven. We'll put Drake London at wide receiver eight. And here's the deal. I prefer Garrett Wilson because I just think that he has comparable route running to Chris Olave. He's much better after the catch than both of them. And he just feels like he has this profile to be a very, very special wide receiver where he wins after the catch. He wins at the catch point. He wins with route running. He's very, very smooth. His year one was amazing. And I would just rather chase that. Like Chris Olave to me, and again, these are guys that I have as top eight dynasty wide receivers. I, I still talk about them glowingly. They are still very, very strong. But in terms of their profiles, we have a guy who can kind of like do it all, uh, every part of the field, especially yak ability gives him like a huge efficiency of ceiling. 
And then you have Olave, who's more of like a downfield possession guy, uh, but that can give him a lot of efficiency with a high A dot. And if he scores touchdowns, that's fine. And Drake London's not going to do a ton after the catch, but he's a nice contested catch wide receiver. Your prototypical X type that I'm fine chasing in Dynasty. Now, I will say it's also worth noting that Garrett Wilson is getting wide receiver one treatment in Dynasty. You look here, he's at the wide receiver nine, or not in Dynasty, in redraft. He's the wide receiver nine in redraft ADP. He's actually ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown. He's ahead of Jalen Waddle, ahead of Olave, literally just behind A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb. Now, Olave is not too far behind, and that's kind of where me putting Chris Olave at wide receiver seven starts. Because when we look at Olave, he's a stud, London's a stud. But London's going to be much further down this list, right? And that's just because his offense doesn't have a ton of passing volume. His quarterback isn't Derek Carr. So I think we look at two guys that have similar year ones and similar like projected upside after that. My tiebreaker would just be the guy that you can project to be a top 12 wide receiver versus a guy who can be projected as a wide receiver 24 type. I would just rather the guy who can score me more points now. Because if you just keep on waiting for points to come, you kind of get a DJ Moore type profile. Or maybe you get like one back end wide receiver, one finish. But nothing too, too crazy comes out of that. I'd rather get the points now. Now, when we're talking about both of these rookie wide receivers, they're both very, very good. Uh, let me bring this up real quick. So this is what I wanted to pull up. <clears throat> I don't know why that happened. But when we have here, we have 13 wide receivers hit 2 plus yards per out run in a 23.5% targets per out run in Olave and Drake London were two of those as rookies in like not so great offenses, which is really impressive. They were both also 80 plus PFF grade guys, as we showed earlier on that list. This is the first year that I have in my database where three wide receivers in the same class hit 80 plus PFF grade. This is a special wide receiver class. I wouldn't let any outshine the other. Like I know I have Garrett Wilson here. All three are very, very special. That's why I have them all in my top eight. They are both, you know, both of their year ones are comparable in terms of Olave and London. Like I said, I just prefer Olave at this. This is actually the first time I've had Olave ranked over London in this full cycle. But it really just is if he's wide receiver 12 in redraft versus London wide receiver 24 in redraft. And it's really a coin flip between the two of them. I think just give me the guy who's going to score more points despite London being a year younger, better prospect. Probably a profile like better too as a prototypical X wide receiver. But with Derek Carr and an actual passing offense, again, two like razor close guys. I'd rather give the tiebreaker to a better offense. Give me the points earlier on. Now, I still love London. I think there's some merit to, again, him being a better prospect, him being X wide receiver. He has a better PFF grade. You can have him ahead. Uh, I just do question the ability to, uh, or our ability to gauge upside, right? We've been chasing, or early on in my dynasty career, I was chasing this like prototypical X wide receiver. It's why I like Terrace Marshall a ton in 2021 and I think we're in a modern NFL now where size doesn't matter as much as it used to so and we even saw with like Cooper Cup who was like this slot wide receiver we've always sort of you know Wes Welk or Julian Edelman these slot wide receivers they don't have a ton of upside maybe they'll be like back end wide receiver one guys we've sort of seen that mold broken now and it's just kind of broken my brain in the way of like okay so Drake Drake London is contested catch x wide receiver prototypical alpha looks a lot more like you know your Devonte adams of years past your aj greens uh your julio joneses of course and olavi looks more like your you know tyler lockett's of years past and profiles like that but now you can kind of compare them to your like calvin ridley's your stefan Diggs, just like smooth route runners and that's kind of the meta archetype at this point so give me olave now again 
still love London, hasn't even turned 22 yet. If you want to value London over Alave, go for it. Now, after that, a guy who, if you want to have him at the top of this tier, you can. Uh, I know that there is a huge Olave fan club out there, and you guys aren't going to love me having him this uh, low at wide receiver nine. But the issue with Waddle is he came in old. He's going to turn 25 in November. And the argument for him to be below Olave is pretty easily. Again, or pretty easy. Again, Olave is literally right there in the wide receiver rankings, literally back-to-back -back with Waddle. They're literally neck-and-neck. -neck. You can project them for the same amount of points this year or similar amount of points this year. Olave's two years younger. They, they both had a similar year one. They're similar prospects. Give me the guy who's two years younger. Same projected outcome for this year. Now, again, not again. I don't know why I keep saying again. But Waddle is a guy. He didn't hit the 80-plus PFF stuff, but he is sort of this monster where we've seen him command targets already he had i believe over 100 receptions in his rookie year he's crazy dynamic with the ball he can be really efficient and he was really just held back by Tua's injuries last year as much as he didn't really hit that 17 plus points per game we're looking for in this tier he kind of did if we just look at games where Tua actually played and had 15 or more pass attempts in which i think is like a fine threshold for a game that Tua actually started and like didn't leave early or whatever he averaged 17.9 per game 0.9 points per game, which would have put him right in line with your A-tier guy. So I'm completely open to that, but the reason I don't have him up there is he is older. He's 25. He's not the top dog in his offense, right? He has Tyreek Hill to compete with. He doesn't have, you know, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, I think are much better quarterbacks than Tua. Tua has injury issues. I think that's very real at this point. We kind of just have to respect it. he came into the league with injury issues. It's been a problem since. So if quarterback play can't be consistent, that's a bit of an issue. Now, I will say at least Mike White, I think, is a much better uh, or a bigger upgrade or a nice upgrade to Teddy Bridgewater and to Skylar Thompson from last year. So that should at least like mitigate that 19.8 per game stretch from last year. But we're talking about a guy here who is a fringe wide receiver one per ADP per redraft ADP. And at this point, by the time that he kind of like separates himself from Tyree kill or Tyree kill slows down, he's going to be on the back half of 25 and it's going to be tough to see him ever be up here. So that's just where I have it. But again, we're kind of splitting hair. So if you want him at the top of this tier, have at it. Now, after this, we have C tier. And this is our, this is a weird tier to kind of sift through. Because I think it really just depends on your uh, philosophy when it comes to Dynasty. And in this tier, we have your 20 point per game vets. You have a rookie wide receiver. And then your sexy high-end wide receiver twos. Now, at the top here at wide receiver 10, just give me Stephon Diggs. It's very simple for me. He's not even 30 yet. He's the wide receiver five in points per game over the last three years. He's averaged 19 points per game over the last three years, which I believe last three years he's been in Buffalo. And he's attached to Josh Allen for the foreseeable future. Give me that guy. He's not even 30 yet. He's attached to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that's what separates him and puts him kind of not on a tier of his own, just like very easily at the top of this tier, just having an elite quarterback, sub 30 years old, wins with like route running and separation. So that game kind of ages really well. Like we saw Antonio Brown kind of dominate into his early 30s with that type of game. And I think we could see something similar for Stephon Diggs. Now, after that, give me Tyree Kill, arguably the best wide receiver in football last year. I think that kind of goes over people's heads. He was the only wide receiver with over a 30% target prop run. He was the only wide receiver with over a three yards prop run. He led the league in both categories, which is insane, right? To command volume and be that efficient on a per route basis is wild. He's not even 30 yet. He's playing some of his best ball. Now, 
he even got held back, not to the same extent as Waddle, but he got held back in a similar way where, uh, you know, his splits were 21 points per game with Tua, 17.7 points per game without Tua. So not as big as a drop-off, but, you know, something that will sort of bring his numbers down a little bit. 21 points per game with Tua is a pretty crazy, crazy number to have. I think I caught that fly. Jeez, dude. I will also say, I was supposed to record this video like two hours ago, but it's just been so hot in the basement. There's like the bugs down here, dude. We're grinding. It's it's peak spring season. It's hot in Jersey for whatever reason. So we're out here. Now, the reason I have Tyree Kill just behind uh, Stephon Diggs is really this. Josh Allen is better than Tua. Tyree Kill has hinted at retirement like recently, which is like, who really cares? But at the same time, like we're, we're, we're picking, we're, we're splitting hairs here. And then also his elite trait, Tyreek Hill, yes, he's a great route runner, but his elite trait is the speed. And as we approach 30 and get past 30, I just have some concern that if the speed goes away, I don't know if he'll be as special of a wide receiver without it. Maybe he will. Maybe he's developed enough of a uh, route running package and everything to be just fine after the, you know, fourth gear that nobody can catch up to is gone. We'll see. But that's just where I'm at when we split hairs here. Now, I think that there's a little bit of a gap because I, I, I think... Cooper Cup and Devonta Adams are similar assets to these two for me, but I think that these guys are just a little bit more locked in, sub-30 years old. Tyreek Hill coming off the best season of pretty much his career, to be honest with you. And then Stephon Diggs attached to Josh Allen for the foreseeable future. A little bit more uncertainty where, like, Devontae Adams has uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for a year, maybe Will Levis, maybe Anthony Richardson. They draft somebody. Cooper Cup, we don't know what's going on with Matthew Stafford and his back and if the Rams are going to suck uh, for a really long time after trading all their picks away and selling their souls. So... That's a difficult part. And Cooper Cup's coming off an injury, too. Now, the where I have it split is between those 20-point-per-game guys, we have JSN. Jackson Smith is Jigba right now projected to be a first-round pick in the NFL, uh, the favorite to be the first wide receiver off the board, a really, really strong wide receiver prospect. I prefer him to uh, London last year, who was my post-draft wide receiver one. And if you want to get off, you know, the Vet Express of, like, Cup and Devontae Adams – I'm kind of fine getting to JSN here. It feels like a leap of faith, but this is an elite wide receiver prospect. He has upside to be viewed as like a top six dynasty wide receiver if he comes in in year one and dominates. Had a really, really strong year two. Reminds me of Jamar Chase, where Jamar Chase went toe-to-toe with Justin Jefferson. JSN went toe-to-toe with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in the same offense. He could come into the NFL, be really special. He has insane, insane change of direction, agility, drill-type testing he did at the Combine. He is... Really excited. We've been talking about him all offseason. I don't really need to go any deeper than that. Now, essentially, this is where I think a lot of you guys are going to get mad. And this is where I think the rest of this tier and the rest of this wide receiver video comes down to your preference in Dynasty. Now, these are my top 12 Dynasty wide receivers. But I have like this this C tier is just a massive, massive tier. Maybe you could make the case to put them in D tier uh, this next tier. Actually, let's do that. Let's do it. Because I think I'm very firm about these three being up here. But if you want to, you know, make a case for however you want D tier to be sorted, we'll go through that now. And this is your 20 point per game guys versus your sexy high end wide receiver twos. The way that I have this shaking out is I have Cup, I have Devontae Adams, I then have T Higgins, Metcalf, Devonta Smith. And I think a lot of guys might even want T and Devonta Smith to be like in this area. And this is just what it comes down to for me. When we look at these two asset classes, we have Duper Cup and Devontae Adams, the only two wide receivers to average 20-plus points per game since the 2020 season versus your high-end sexy wide receiver twos. And this comes down to, first of all, the caveat is they're all in the same tier. 
Of course, if you're rebuilding, you're not competing, you can put Cup and Devontae Adams at the back half of this tier. But I'm under the assumption that hopefully in all of my leagues, I'm trying to make the playoffs, trying to win. I think it's the best way to go about dynasty. I had a couple teams last year that were like very firmly rebuilders. I had like eight that were contenders. Get to the playoffs in all of them. Let chaos happen. Maybe you have a bad team that limps into the championship. You have Mike Evans chilling out in your flex spot and you win. That's something that happened for me in one of my leagues. I got really lucky this year. I won three of 11 dynasty leagues. I just want to be in the mix every single year. So in a vacuum, give me Cup and Devontae because they give you a better chance to be in the mix. When we look at wins above replacement or like value over replacement, this is what we looked at um, in our trade target video last week. And if we look here, top six wide receivers average about 20 points per game, which gives you a 3.3-point advantage over wide receiver 7 through 12. That range averages 16.9 points a game, just a 1.5-point-per-game advantage over your 13 to 18 wide receivers, and then 15.4 points per game, just a 1-point-per-game advantage over 19 to 24. So the only spot you're really stacking up a real, real advantage is at the top at 20 points per game. That's what Cup and Adams offer you. Now, the issue with T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, Devonta Smith are these guys were all under 15 points per game last year. They're all in the 24 to 25 age range. And you have an asset that isn't going to be insulated much longer. We know wide receivers, they usually pop in year one, year two, year three for like first and second round wide receivers. You know, you'll have day three guys or round three guys pop off later on in their careers just because you don't get the opportunity right away. But usually if you're a first or second round pick like these guys and you're drafted early, you usually arrive early on. Now, a couple of these guys, they've had their spots and their moments, right? DK Metcalf had a really strong year two. But if you can't consistently get into that like 17 plus, 18 plus point per game area, you start to really drift away towards that wide receiver two tier. Like these guys, if they don't come out here and give you, you know, 17, 18 points per game here soon, they're just going to drift to that massive wide receiver two tier we have in Dynasty. We have uh, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin, like everybody in that area, Marquise uh, Brown, Deontay Johnson, they're going to slowly drift back that way if they can't find a way to give you meaningful production. And these are all guys who were under 15 points per game last year, are outside the top 12, uh, or not outside the top 12, I believe. They're like fringe top 12 wide receivers per underdog ADP. And all that really gives you is somebody in that wide receiver 13 to 18 area, again, under 15 points per game last year, puts you in wide receiver 13 to 18. And it's not giving you a massive value over your, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three types, where you can almost like match their production at much less value with guys like Terry McLaurin, Godwin, Calvin Ridley. I think you can even do uh, like Amari Cooper. You could do Mike Williams. You could do DeAndre Hopkins. All these guys that are much cheaper for similar production. So the issue I have with these like shiny, sexy wide receiver twos or high-end wide receiver twos is that if they don't give you a top six finish soon, they're going to keep losing value. And at the same time, they're not giving you massive value over replacement to win a championship. So they're like this tweener asset for me that I don't love. So that's why I view Cup, Devontae over them. Just give me the guys who, yes, they're going to lose dynasty value as well and probably more and probably faster. But it's kind of a, a candle that burns twice as bright, burns half as long type of thing. Give me the guys that are going to help me win in a window instead of just like this prolonged period of being like fine. You know, that's just sort of how I view these wide receiver asset types. Now, like if you if, if you like one of these guys, like fine. I mean, they're in tough spots, right? T. Higgins has to compete with Jamar Chase. It's going to be tough for him to ever get there. Devonta Smith in a low volume pass offense next to A.J. Brown will be tough for him to get there. Uh, maybe you see that with D.K. Metcalf, but he is next to Tyler Lockett. 
Uh, they could pass more. Geno Smith could be even more efficient. But even last year when Geno had a career year, Metcalf was still outside 15 points per game. So it just gets tough. These just aren't assets I'm trying to hold on to in Dynasty. Like These guys aren't moving the needle for wins. They're getting to a spot where once they're at the back half of 25, their value is going to just keep falling and falling and falling without giving you the production to make up for it. So again, they're all in the same tier. It really comes down to where your team is at. But in a vacuum, if I'm trying to compete, give me Cup, give me Devonta Adams. In a vacuum, you should be trying to compete across the board. Now that is going to do it for us today. That is our official Dynasty wide receiver tiers. I think that's our top 17 wide receivers. Feel free to, I don't know, screenshot this or whatever. As always, the full Dynasty rankings will be on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. All of the rookie wide receivers are ranked among all the veteran wide receivers right now. If you want that, it's on patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. It'll be down below in the description. It'll be down below in the comments. As always, if you can't support there, like, subscribe, mean the world to me. We are locking in. It's draft season. Hope you guys enjoyed. As always, I will see y'all in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Channel, chat, I'm on. Foolies, glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.